Hey friends and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art and pop culture. I'm your host Stephen Garten and I'm joined by my co-host and longtime friend Matt Gooder. In our last conversation we discussed the ever-looming threat of deadlines and how they can contribute to creativity but they also detract from it in a very real way as well. Without careful planning, they can end up demeaning the quality of the project. In today's episode, we continue on in the creative process by talking about the problem with trends and how quickly and badly things can date. We also throw around ideas about why we feel like we need to keep up with the times and copy what other people are doing all the time. I'm so glad you're here today. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking, and on to the episode. Let's hit it. What is it about the human condition that wants us to fit in and be loved so much? You know what? I was just listening to a podcast on the just before I came to this podcast, um, which is how you make good podcasts. You listen to podcasts before you podcast about podcasting, and it was it's David Choi and his friend committed suicide, and he said, "The thing is, I am an incredibly successful person, and I'm just so miserable." And my friend who committed suicide called me one day and said, how come you're so successful and you're still miserable? And I'm sitting here and I'm, 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 unsuccess- uh, I'm, I'm successful too. And, and we're both just hating it. And David says, thank you for, oh, I'm so glad you reached out. And so he starts talking to him. Uh, you know, and tries to help him and, and, and things like that. And, and David identifies of himself. He says, nothing makes me happy. There's this black hole inside of me that just needs some sort of love, some sort of fulfillment, and I, I just can't feel it no matter how much sex I have, no matter how much drugs, no matter how much gambling. He's a gambling addict. And I, I found that if you're a gambler, you have a one in four chance of committing suicide. Which is fascinating, um, but it came to this point that why is it that there is some emptiness we feel when we're not loved, when there's no value, and is that what we get from trends? Is that what we get from feeling a part of the crowd, a temporary fill of the black hole within us? I think so, maybe. Um, I don't think anyone would go this deep with it, but we're here and we're doing it. We're going deep. Deep. Somebody said to me the other day, they were like, oh, this is really deep. And then they said something and I was like, that was not deep. You you come on a Matt and Steven podcast. Oh, that's right. We, st- we start deep and We're, go deep. We just started in the very deepest end of the pool. In fact, we're not even in the pool anymore. We're in... I don't know. We just jumped off a ship in the middle of the ocean. That's how deep it is. We just went straight to suicide. Like, that's deep. So trends. Trends come, trends go. Um, but I'm just as susceptible as the next guy at jumping on the ship and going, man, that's cool. Let's do that. Um, but it comes from, I don't know, just somebody, somebody leads the way, I think. And then it slowly gathers momentum, people jumping on board, and then it hits a critical mass of trendiness. And there's a cool factor too, where if this is an interesting side thought, but, um, adolescence going into adulthood like teenagers like I think they want to do things just because their parents don't like it it's almost like you have it's this part of the human condition where we hit a phase where we have to rebel and we do it because our parents don't like it and there's something in that like and then, because if your parents started doing it, like, remember when dabbing was a thing, right? Now oh, now yeah. it's the cringiest thing in the world. But because yeah. dad started dabbing, it became uncool. very, very uncool. Like Facebook, right? It was cool. And then your parents. Got oh, home. yeah. It just became terrible. That was Zuckerberg's failure. It was like, how do we improve this platform to be? No, keep parents off of it. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, well, he's got millions of dollars, but we just discussed how millions of dollars doesn't make you successful. So, but do you think part of it with the trends is it may, like some of it might be like, oh, I can get more followers because this trend is getting followers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's other reasons, of course, why people jump on trends. But um, at the end of the day, I think there is some sort of thing in us that wants to get in while it's still hot, while it's still fresh. And, um, and then it reaches a critical mass or a saturation point where it, it would be like when Farmers or Hallenstein starts mass producing a certain trend like yep. ripped jeans. That's a good ripped example. Jeans. Like that was, it reached its peak saturation point and then it got mass produced and now it's not cool anymore. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Lorenzo did this with his, um, I believe his clothing brand's called Fear of God, but he had some really cool styles coming through that were very simplistic and very uh, minimalistic. But then whatever the in America, the equivalent of Hallenstein's or um, Glassons might be Forever 21 or um, I forget what the other one's called. But when it starts being mass produced to the public and anyone can buy it because he sells it for like, I don't know, a pair of uh, track pants might be $150 or, or more. And then on the resale market, they might be like $400 because they're so right. trendy. But then Forever 21 starts selling a knockoff for like 30 bucks mm. and it's it kind of kills it. Well, this is the same for, uh, I don't know if you know much of the sort of hunting world, but um, Swazi was the first brand in New Zealand to pioneer clothes for hunters. Uh, well, sorry, the first brand in the world, in the world to pioneer outdoor clothes for hunters, whereas um, nobody had been doing it. And so they got into a niche and as soon as everybody started copying their designs um, and I just read his book biography recently, um, the, the demand just fell, you know, like it was, everybody started jumping on and copying, but, and that was mainly for profit. That was mainly for profit. Um, but there's something attached to it, especially in pop and fashion world that it's, there's something unique about the, it's relevant when it's unique. People don't want the same. And when it becomes the same, it's like, well, you know, we're done with this now. Um, but I was thinking, so can you, like, as far as trends go on social media, because when we say trends, like, you, my immediate mind went to social media, but it's not just social media, is it? It's, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, trends in society, trends in fashion, trends in... Uh, the world I'm in is furniture, trends in furniture. Um, they say that the trends that never change are, I mean, if you look at the blue denim jean, it's, it's ruled the world. The blue denim jean has ruled the world for about 60, 70 years now. Like, it doesn't matter. They do variations of it, but it's still the blue denim jean. And it's always got this stigma. Um, it's it's the norm. It's the base level for for most people in the world yeah um and then uh, i because I, I was i could jump in on a couple of things there but i think one that i was considering is what your experience is you mentioned briefly furniture i was going to say your experience with interior design like what trends have you seen come and go there and um what do you think might be going to stick around a bit longer well the trends the in interesting in furniture things that never date are wood uh, wood never dates. How wood is finished and and how wood is done tends to date. Like if you think of a a panel board house, you know, inside you have the the the, the wood lining around the house. Now back in the eighteen hundreds, when they done villas in you know New Zealand, America, wherever it was, they panelled it with wood, and that's really attractive in the design market right now because it's old. But then you go to the 60s and you have this wood veneer not trending, you know, and, and it is coming back a little bit, this, this stuff on the 60s. So, but generally, generally wood, stone um, and, and more raw materials tend to not date so much. And the, the current trend in design for in, in 
um, the furniture world is raw materials. And the theory behind it is that the um, it, in the pandemic, people were so trapped indoors that they missed the outdoors. And so post coming out of the pandemic, people had an appreciation for grass, for stones, for rocks, for, for mud, for for the elements. And so now they're bringing those things indoors. Brown is back in. Um, earthy brown is back in. Not necessarily against the 60s orange, but it's certainly back in in, in the sense of People like uh, terracotta browns, you know, people like the earthy tones again, because it's reminding us of the outdoors and it's only relevant because of what, and this is the thing, I don't know uh, if, if this is a spin off to go into trends, but why are trends relevant? And in the furniture industry, you could say, well, look, the reason why the trends are brown and earthy tones and natural elements is because of the. The, the the lockdowns we've had and the whole COVID thing that we've went through and as an after, you know, effect, this is what it's produced. But the same thing goes to fashion. Why do we have um, the fashion? And the great one is is uh, a couple of years ago, Yeezy. Uh, we had the Yeezys and then they moved the production to America and they wanted to bring uh, the manufacturing to America. And so to do that, they created this, um, almost croc-like thing. And the idea was that they could manufacture that out of algae that was found within America. So suddenly the fashion industry is influenced because of political, uh, of the relevance of political movements. And then people are also like pro moving away from plastics, moving away from uh, all, all these things to sustainable living. So anything now that's sustainable is a candidate for being in a trend. And yeah, so lo- looking at the condition that, conditions that bring around a trend, looking at con- what's happening in the world, why is a trend relevant? I, I think, you know, I'm not on social media trying to use trends, but if I was, I'd be looking at trends that come out and go, why is this hitting a nerve? Like, what is it about this? And uh, I don't even remember a trend that came out a while ago. Um, it was uh, dancing in the mirror, big Soreno horse guy. And he was dancing in the mirror. And then people would make this transition where they're now dancing in the mirror. And what I, I watched a video on the theory why that trend became popular. And the theory was, here's this awkward looking guy who's just having a good time and he doesn't care what people think about him. And that was so attractive to, uh, in the context that everybody in social media was making polished videos, making all these videos that were staged. And this guy clearly has not staged his video. He's just being himself. And people were looking for that. People were looking for authenticity again. So, you know, that was the sort of reason why that trend was supposedly hit a nerve for people. Yeah, and fast fashion, I think, is a huge thing too. And I think this all comes back to an awareness of things that's growing in our modern society. And I hope this isn't just a trend because Mm. I think there's some really – key things here that we're learning and we're talking about fast fashion like sustainable yeah Yeah, like fast fashion like making using like child labor and like making um synthetic materials at a a ridiculously low price so you can just mass produce it and it's supposed to rip and break and fade and and become a rag within three three minutes and um yeah and it's it's all the stuff that's destroying the environment. It's, I mean, it's not sustainable. And, and of course, the less than ideal working conditions for people in those scenarios having to slave away for pittance. And I think it is just an awareness coming to some of these things. And um, like you were picking up on with um, conservation, uh, caring for the planet, embodiment, therapy, it's these... I think we have swung a lot from hustling and ignoring our bodies and just go, go, go. If you have a need, just like 
push it aside. Um, uh, it's like stifling down the body or the flesh because it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's, but we're swinging away from that. And there are some really, really important things to learn here. Um, but in terms of trends, like, like I'm talking about fashion and fashion is a good example of, of, and, and I think it's easily recognizable by many people because it's such an obvious example, but it obviously applies to more than just fashion, you know, like mm. trends apply everywhere. Um, and I don't know, like, I think I, I, there are some things that I want to see stick around. Like I want to see this, this new push towards normalizing therapy and what can you touch? What can you yeah. smell? What can you feel like using embodiment and your senses as a way to get back in touch with the earth? And, and there's also the, um, I talked about it with Elsie in last week's episode was the, we're, we're learning again about culture and Maori culture and how mm. they're so, so much more in touch with the land than we are. And, um, and they don't see it as just ownership and owning something, but really taking care of it and, and you're together with it and you're, you're grounded to the land as, as part of who you are, as part of your, what makes you up as a person. And I just think that's so great. And I think there's, there's some really cool things we're learning here. And yeah. of course you can end up, you know, swinging a hundred percent the other way and, and, yeah. and find some other thing that you're, you're stuck in. But I, I think there's some really, really cool things coming up in today's culture. Yeah. And I think it's paying attention to those things and going, what is like, if you think of it like a, you know, you, you get those uh, diagrams in, in classes where there's the overlapping circles you have three overlapping circles and there's like a trisector in the middle of those circles where they all just hit something. And I think when you look at the inclusivity of culture and ethnicity is a big deal. Sustainability, um, but also keeping it relatable. And when you get those things and you put them together, it's this trifecta, whatever is in the center of that trifecta is going to hit the nerve of what society is looking for. And um, it's gonna it's gonna be relatable, and is sometimes just intuitive. I think this is this is what separates um, geniuses, if I can say that, and 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 futurists and foreseers is they have an intuition what the what the public and what society needs and what it's feeling, and they're able to just you know put their finger on something, and everybody goes, aha they're like the poets and the prophets of society, you know, the, the people, the feelers, the people who are able to just know this is what is, is happening. This is what's needed. And they're the ones who also take the brunt of it and, uh, you know, take the flack of it. I was talking to my neighbor, who's a great example of this, who, uh, runs a, um, Maori focused, uh, I guess you call it charity. And they're moving now to the, to the Maori calendar and as part of that, once a month, they're going to sit down and uh, as part of the group, they're going to sit down on the new moon. I think she was trying to explain it to me. I'm very ignorant. Forgive me. She's, uh, you sit down on the new moon and they have like a, a get together where they just sit and listen to each other talk about um, the future. And that is because that was the tradition they used to do in the new moon because they believed that the stars would give prophetic signs into the future. So she's like, we're going to do this, but the pushback is crazy. The pushback is crazy because people are so used to things running according to the way they've always run. But I guess the Maori people feel like there's been a loss of their culture and they're trying to reclaim that. And one way that they can do that is by returning to the calendar that their ancestors used, that, that when the missionaries came, it all got put to the side, but there was nothing wrong with it, you know? And it was almost like, oh, no, we're exchanging this now for, for the Christian, uh, or, or not the Christian, sorry, the um, the Western calendar. And now there's the returning going back and, and people pull back and go, oh, why do you have to change things and stuff? But no, this is... Again, this is the prophets and the poets sensing, hey, there's a need for the people here 
to find identity within their cultures and and you know they're the ones that are going to get the pushbacks and when we can see these things they're and that's trending now you know uh tereo has been uh i don't know if you can call it a trend but as much as a movement in society over the past five years or so where it's becoming culture is becoming back into society culture of minorities is becoming welcomed in society and celebrated which i think is wonderful um but also in that knowing like what is and what isn't your culture and accepting other people's is doesn't mean you have to give up your own and uh but it's a beautiful thing to be able to to um see how the needs of society change preempt them and be a be a part of that journey for in, in, in whether it's sustainability cultural awareness or whatever these things and then back the forerunners who are who are have their finger on the button of these things yeah and relative value is i think something um i was thinking about while you're talking is what do you place your value on and right. I don't know. As a Western culture, what do we place our value on? I think sometimes we get so lost um, putting our value in or our care into this, that, and the other thing, and it always comes back to things that we get stuck on. Um, we get so attached to, um, and that really shows up in trends because an example is Nike Dunks, right? Okay, this was a shoe that Nike put out a long time ago. And they were selling them for ridiculously low prices because no one cared about them. They were just like, I don't know, like maybe 80 or 100 bucks for a pair. And for, for a dunk, that's, that's relatively low. Um, and then suddenly, maybe, I don't know if, if it's because a celebrity wore them or that's usually how things get into fashion, but they just exploded in popularity. And now you would be lucky to find a pair, like a dead stock pair on um, some sort of website for less than 400 bucks. Yeah. And this is like somebody's bought them and now they're selling them on. It's not even brand new from the supplier. It's you're buying them from somebody else. Um, and the price is just skyrocketed. But the value thing is like, okay, mm. everyone cares about this now because it's trending and right. so the price, and you see the housing market is another, yep. it's like that just exploded, right? In the in the past few years, especially, it was like, oh my goodness, like we thought we were locked out before as millennials from buying houses. Now it's like, good luck. Yeah. But what do you place your value on? And, and when everyone places their collective value on one thing. Yes. The demand and the- The demand, it just goes crazy. What do you do? Do you jump on or do you- observe from the side well that's an interesting one because i'm a i really enjoy following pop culture and trends and and trying to not keep up but like i like getting being on the front end of something being or, inspired by something that's not so freaking sameish, you know yeah and i love that like being different and like going oh well, everyone's doing this so why not and this comes to my my enneagram four is like it's it's part of my <laughs> my very makeup, mm. but, um, and I think it's a superpower as well as being able to like go, well, everyone's doing that. So what, where's the point of difference? Yeah. And I think that comes to play into business as well. But on top of that, I do love being a forerunner and paving the way a trailblazer. I love just randomly or, or like getting on something while it's still like really hot it's just yeah just started to come out or, or become not even popular but it looks like it's going to be yeah it's a thrill man there's such a thrill but i do jump on sometimes and sometimes just observe out of curiosity um which i think might lead into my next kind of question is like i'm really curious what your top three cringy trends are that you'd did jump on oh. and then looking back on them, you're like, that was terrible. Like, what do you, what are three that come uh, to mind? That haven't aged well. You oh, mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Haven't aged well. Um, okay. Going back to high school, it was, uh, and there's always hairstyles is an easy one to pick, but there was this hairstyle that you shave your head and you keep your fringe. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, man. I cringe. Yeah. That was uh, embarrassing. 
nowadays it's mullets, man. And they've, they've come back hard. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, why? Like, yeah. that was one that I saw and I'm like, I'm happy to observe from the sidelines. Well, it's one of those things that you'll like. It, it, it exists as a statement. It's never going to really make somebody look attractive. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to make people... I reckon that's one that's going to age very poorly. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that hairstyles is an easy one, but probably... Uh, Oh, uh, I probably need more time to think about that. Yeah, I was going to say we could come back to that. Just keep that one on the back burner. I'll try and think of some too. So then question for you, you in the world of design, graphic design, trends are really important because um, if you do something that looks five years old and I'm thinking about, do you remember in the mid-2000s, the late 2000s when the cool graphic design was like uh, flat so you'd get silhouettes of people partying and they were like red and then you'd get a black backdrop or something it was like whoa that's so cool because we uh, again the, the world was starting to be able to use tech uh, and graphic design with with um, vectors and and these things, so you could scale and stuff, and so that was sort of like whoa, you know. But but how, how do you balance that with what does trends look like in graphic design world? Oh man, they're coming coming in all over the place, and I love keeping up with them. Like I'll often search for um, top t- graphic design trends of the current year that we're in, and um, and I also like love looking at different um the the like pinterest equivalent like behance is mm. is really useful for just seeing what's coming through and noticing patterns um i like looking at instagrams of like really prominent churches because they they often have killer graphic design teams mm. who make just amazing art and i, I i'm fascinated by it and there was some trends that like started coming through and I, I just would have never, ever considered doing it. Yeah. But then started incorporating it into my own work and, um, and loved it. Um, yeah. Still like an artist, right? I, yeah, that's right. I, I think another, um, trend that maybe, I don't know. Um, do you remember the ice bucket challenge? Oh Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if that's cringy, but I certainly look back and go like, why the heck did I do that? Like, was it for charity? I don't think so. I think it probably started like that and then everybody's like, wow, well, what the heck? But there's so many of those now on TikTok, like yeah. challenges and stuff. Like uh, throw, I saw on the other day, like throw the, ba- um, the balloon through the light circle. You know, you got the light circle for... Um, like if you're making a video, you put on oh, a ring, like light a ring. ring light for your face. And you had to, you had to get an elongated balloon and throw it through the thing. And I was like, that just seems like a lot of work to take off as a trend. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a really slow news week. Yeah. Like, whoa. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of stuff like that that are out there that, um, and then another one that's circling is the, uh, my money don't jiggle, jiggle, it folds. I've not seen this. Well, you've not seen the no, Louis, man. Um, Louis Thoreau done. This is interesting. Dissecting a trend, right? Listen to this. Louis Thoreau done a TV program 15 years ago, like 15 years ago. And in this TV program, they're like, oh, do you have a rap? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote this down. So he gets out his notepad and he stands and he's like, uh, you know, my money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. Uh, I like to see you wiggle, wiggle, full show. Um, and he goes on to his rap. And it's just like this awkward white guy, not just any white guy, but Louis Thoreau, you know, like the the awkward interviewer who who just does these killer documentaries. And uh, it's just so awkward and it's so entertaining. And I don't know why, but, and, you know, people are just copying this and using it everywhere. And um, I don't know, that, that, that trend will pass for sure. Like it's not a, 
it's not going to stick around, but man, it's just weird watching it. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, I, I've got a challenge for you and for me yeah. and for listeners. I'm, uh, I mean, okay, this is a bit of a long story, but I, I started out like this where I would, when I sat down to create, make music, make art, whatever, I would just do whatever I thought to do. And I, back when I was growing up, internet wasn't as anywhere near like it is today. Mm. It was just, just developing, you know, dial up maybe was just starting to be a thing. And so when you created, you would, for the most part, like you're still getting influenced by the music you listen to, the people you hang out with. But I don't think that the the saturation of it was nearly the same as it is today. Like you're not getting advertised to as much. You're not, mm. you're not getting media bombarding you as much as it can do in today's world. And so now today when I sit down to create, I'm, I'm getting inspiration first. I'm gathering mood boards and I'm like finding artists to look at and, and see how they would approach the problem first before I even make my own ideas. Yeah. And then kind of collate and um, think about it more and stuff like that after I've done that. So I guess my challenge is, um, because there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, that is, that's important. And I think an important part of creating is looking at other people's work and getting inspired by that and using that to your advantage, but still like an artist. But at the same time, I think a good, a cool challenge is, and I, I can't remember, I think I heard this from somebody else, but when you sit down to create, just do what you want to do first. Mm. Like what ideas come to your mind first when you are making something like get those out there. Like how would you approach the problem that you're facing in your design? Love it. Yeah. Why is it that we feel when we're going to do something, why do we check what everybody else is doing? It's like the whole leaning over and looking at somebody else's answer book. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's curious, isn't it? Um, and I think it does help us. Like, I think it's part of community. It's part of being together in this human existence as we need each other and we work well together, like, collaborating. Is, and there, is there a sense though that it's like, because I think you're right, but is there the negative side of that? Is it like, I don't want to get it wrong? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that. And, um, and that's why... Or maybe part of the reason why I I like doing it is, you know, just looking like you're fitting in with people and that that intense desire to fit in is like mm. rewarded by that of like, oh, I do belong in this crowd because I can put out something similar to what they're doing. Do you remember when Harry Potter got really po- popular? Do you remember that? Uh, not really because I wasn't allowed to watch it or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I never really got like that interested in it. It was all a bit, uh, here's the thing. I hate sci-fi and Harry Potter was just getting a little bit too sci-fi for me. Um, even though it's not sci-fi, I get that. But how is Harry Potter sci-fi? Oh, it's just freaking like magic. I'm like, ah, oh, freaking, that's not real. You know, it's like, fantasy. It's, it's not sci-fi. Freaking fantasy. That's it. I hate I hate fantasy. I hate fantasy. It's weird. Um, I know some people love it. Sorry, head is going to hate. But um, d- when it came out, there was nothing out there like it. You know what I mean? Like it just hit a new, like people were like, where is this book we've been waiting for? You know, you've mixed uh, imagination with magic and and this imaginary magic school. Like how cool is that? So when we create things, the point of difference in which we approach it, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's looking, um, it's gathering inspiration, but doing what you want to do in the middle of that. And not, it's like when you ask friends for advice, you know, like I'm, I'm very open. I ask everybody for advice because I like hearing people's thoughts. I just enjoy hearing their thoughts. But at the end of the day, I'm making the decision. And I feel like the creative world works like that. It's like advice in, in the parallel form is, oh, what are they doing? Like, how do they approach, um, you know, talking about cultural things? How do how does the Maori culture approach this social issue? How does the, um, how does Indian culture, how does Chinese culture approach this social issue? 
Okay, wow, look at all these perspectives. Okay, how am I going to approach this in my life? Um, and looking at that from a creative artist's point of view. But then if you do that, do you... Yeah, I still, I'm still wrestling with this point of how much are we doing it to fit in. Yeah, and it, but at the same time, like, if you do it too much, you get into the zone of, like, not listening to anybody else and your... Your art or your your opinions can ver- can risk being sol- uh, siloed and mm. um, in a bubble and out of touch. These kinds of things, and it's the same with like opinions about things. Like if you're not willing to immerse yourself in the conflict of being around other people's opinions and hearing what they have to say, and then going, "Aha, uh-huh, okay, that that kind of is yeah. clashing a little bit with what I'm saying." And I think it's similar with art is like you get in there and you mix around and that that's what makes better art. Um, mm. Yeah, the, that collaboration. Yeah, the cross-pollination, collaboration, all those things. Although I do hate group work. <laughs> oh, it, like, like, <laughs> it was the worst part of uni. The best advice I ever got given by my boss. I was working for a blacksmith and I was leaving school and uh, – he, he gave me some life wisdom that I've never forgotten. And it was never work for a committee. And uh, it's so true. When you have too many opinions and not enough per, uh, decision makers, it's like, uh, you know. So do you take on trends? Do you, um, in your business, in your personal life, how much these days are you observing them um, well, I'm basically started a business based on an overseas trend that hasn't hit New Zealand yet. <laughs> and then the other day, what do you think about this? Freaking good, good point. I've told uh, my list, uh, you know, people who have tuned in have heard me speak about my um, business ideas from time to time. So the other day I'm in Auckland, I'm at this kombucha bar and I go into the bar and I say to the guy, Oh, can I speak to your manager? Um, yep, yep. So the manager comes out. Hey, do you supply other cafes? Um, yeah, yeah, we do. What do you think about starting a kombucha bar in Whangarei, a, a van, mobile van? And there's a, there's a lady sitting there and she's like, nah, Whangarei's just... <laughs> Man, sometimes people don't think before they speak. Whangarei's beer and mcdonald's you're not going to sell any picture i was like yeah when was the last time you went to Fungaray? you stinking like that's my hometown you're talking about and i did say this oh look it's changed quite a lot but um preempting trends i was like kombucha is a trend right now and um it's 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 hit lots of the world new zealand tends to get them a bit later um Timing the trend right is very important. Um, it's almost down to the month in some cases on things like that. When you can hit something that people just go, aha, you've solved a problem. And to get that, or, or you solving problems that nobody's you know got questions to. So I suppose I've really built, leveraged a business over the timing in the furniture industry to try and, and get a, an industrial product while, while people are seeking that thing. And um, it's working quite well. So I don't know if that fully answers your question. No, I love it. I love the, the parallels with business here. And I think you're absolutely right. Like it is businesses by and large just getting into a trend at the right time and that can be the make or break of a startup. Like one startup might, or, or two startups might do the same idea just at different times. And then one absolutely explodes and the other one disintegrates into oblivion. Um, and I mean, electric cars, that's a, mm. that's, that's a necessary trend that now lots of people are jumping on or lots of manufacturers, car manufacturers are jumping on and making more, but yeah, that's 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 one that's like you kind of have to now. Well, there's been lots of electric cars over the years, but it's never taken off. Mm. And uh, it, again, it's a timing issue. Um, 
society needed to come to a place where it itched a need and it, it didn't people just weren't aware enough of either the, the the damage to society the we hadn't reached a crisis point with the economy with environmental issues i mean in the in the world of like environmental issues are never going to go away they're a big issue all the time you know we've always got that going on but um there was a period there where it got really big, probably pre-COVID, where we were so aware of the environment and Tesla's just been Tesla just took off um, before that and had, had just been answering that fixed need. And now people are embracing it. And I think, to be honest, it's a little bit more because of the economy um, that people are going, hey, this is financially viable for me now where it wasn't before. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one as well, because you get into the realm of like luxury car mixed with mm. the um, the eliteness of it. It's like, it's almost like, uh, and I hate that this gets mixed in because it's a necessary change to happen to go electric, but um, the the morality sneaks in where you can, yeah. you might catch yourself going, huh, I'm I'm doing the best thing oh, here. I've got, I've electric. got electric. Yeah. And you've got the double-edged sword because like when Lexus was the popular thing because it was luxury or like European luxury cars, it's like you've got that factor too of like, what are you driving? Like this car is yeah, this car is prestigious. Like, yeah, it comes with a class. Yeah, I mean it's that cli- uh, it's that old cliche of like, oh, you're successful when you've got a house and the right car and the get in the driveway. But uh, man, it's a trap, hey. Yeah, and that the the one car that has broke that I th- I think really pioneered the breaking of that in the car industry was the Prius, um, Toyota Prius. Arguably one of the ugliest cars ever made. It's- yeah, and and that's the thing though. I like I know you can hate on it, but it it made electric cars uncool. Yeah. And and we needed that. We needed the the We're, working class and the taxi drivers could go, "Hey, this is going to work for it's me." It's like dad coming into the party going, "Hey guys, <laughs> watch me dab." Yeah. Yeah, dad, dad, dad got in a Facebook account. Yeah, and, um, we needed it to happen for society to break the class ideals of electric cars. Yep, yep, to break down that eliteness. That, um, uh, yeah. Um, okay, here's where I'm at for ending it. Uh, this is a this is a kind of a thought I had out going out for a walk the other day. But I mean, you know my journey with mental health. Um, Listeners will know some of it by now, but it's it's an interesting one with trends and with the world moving forward. And you can get into this frantic pace of trying to keep up, trying to um, stay current, stay relevant, stay uh, hip and young. And and, and there's that whole side tangent of the West's obsession with looking young, with plastic surgery Mm. and makeup and youth, um, youth. And you know, you, you get what I'm saying, but I was just struck and have been a number of times in in recent years with the stability of nature and how it just does its thing. Whoa. Like you go to somewhere where you grew up and you look around and you're like, I remember that tree from when I was a kid. Whoa. And it's just still there. It's still just being a tree. And it really... I don't know if you allow it that it 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 really does something inside you going man that grounds me that makes me I don't know so appreciative of that sense of stability in the universe um and it just it makes you feel calm and and like there's more the than this rush and hustle and bustle of modern life um I don't know. It does something to me. It That's gr- profound. Yeah, um, and it struck me a number of times, and I try and uh, I I try and keep that level of mindfulness as a spiritual practice. You know, when you are outside in nature, or um, man, it helps. It really helps. Just going. It's not trying to be anything else. It's just existing. And 
even death in nature like it's not resisting it it's just part of the cycle it's like it's just a thing that happens it's only humans that create stories around things and narratives around all of this stuff and go it's bad or it's good or Mm. you, you know what i mean like this is bad this is good um whereas in nature it just is where it's the the age old good and evil the the you know the biblical example of the knowledge of good and evil that we we created that we create by definition well this is good this is bad this is right this is wrong and we have become the the ultimate authority on well death is bad and life is good and um as if they both weren't fitting yeah, like take a take a plant, like a tree or a, a, a tomato plant or a whatever. Like, f- in order for that plant to grow, the plant before it had to rot and die, and have bugs crawl into it yeah. and Decompose. turn into mulch, turn into smush on the ground. That then becomes new life. So then, are you at a place? Not in a morbid or fatalistic way, but like just a, wow, I appreciate it. Are you at a place where you look forward to death? I think I'm okay with it um, more than looking forward to it. I'm just okay with my place in the in the world of just rather than resisting it. Don't you think it'd be a cool experience? Well, who knows? Like, I mean, I this is, I've never done it before. This is the number seven. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, is this going to be fun? Is dying fun? I've all, uh, this is this is kind of weird, but I always have like had this thing where I've wanted to know what it's like and what's after it. Um, but I'm like, you can't because once you die, you die. <laughs> yeah, I I I like write little short stories from time to time, and I wrote a short story, and the opening line was, "Death was colder than he imagined," and it's the process of him dying and then waking up from death being like i'm freaking dead and he experiences the whole the whole process of um not being able to breathe and and i i kind of got inspired by a bunch of things but one of them was a friend of mine went diving and uh, blacked out underwater and then floated to the surface and his friend saw him and picked him out of the boat picked him out of the water into the boat and i asked him like dude was that scary and he was like you know, I really enjoyed it. Like I just had this peace come over me and I was like, death is pretty cool. Like, like the process of dying is, uh, we have no idea what that's like. It's like the greatest mystery of life is Mm. like put to you as the ending. And you're like, you want to rush to the (laughs) ending going like, or you want to rush to getting to this point that you think is the best point of being happy and being fulfilled when it's the whole thing that's that's important and like it's the one thing that's like nobody can know like no matter how much money you pour into it no matter how much smart people Mm. can collaborate and put their minds to it i don't think you can ever know what that experience is like unless you have I don't know, near-death experience and come back from the brink i was gonna say it probably has probably is the closest you come but do you think, here's a theory, do you think that ego is afraid of death, but the true self is very comfortable? Oh, I 100% agree with that, yeah. And and the the gold, I think, comes from being okay with it while you're alive or like having those mm. moments of letting go while you're alive. Wow. Because it's the final letting go, right? You're letting go of everything. Yeah. All the stuff that you started clinging to along the journey, like you didn't come in with any of that. You nah. picked it all up as, you, as, you, as you're going through and then it's the final like, <sighs> yeah, it's gone. And, um, and I think if you can have those moments during life, then man, like you, I've had snippets of it, of that feeling of like, it's okay. Mm. I, I, I don't, I'm not here permanently. And yeah. that thing of impermanence, right? Like it's such a good teacher that nothing yeah. is permanent in the world. Yeah. Everything, even ourself. Yeah. Is temporary. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great 
thought and, and a great teacher if you allow it to be. So trends, rap, trends, <laughs> man, that went, that went crazy deep, but that was awesome. Tree um, trends. Wrapping it up, end of the episode. Can we come back to, instead of the top three, what's the top one trend that you either bought into and think sucks now or saw it happening? And Okay. Do you want me to start? You start. Okay. Um, I don't even know if this is the top one, but this is definitely one of them is wooden pallets. <gasps> do you remember yes. that? That we people were obsessed, especially churches were obsessed with wooden pallets, like getting them yes. from behind, like Kmart or, um, and just like turning them into stage design layouts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And cafes, cafes, oh, were cafes also bad yep. culprits. Yeah. Yep. Like not, not, uh, in people like professional cafes it was all the like little boutique cafes that mm. that you were like did they just nail a pallet to the wall yeah <laughs> but once upon a time that was it man that was it oh yeah yeah i for sure get that um i will go with something i've already mentioned i think the 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 cringe trend i bought into was two-dimensional vectors of people um, with their hands in the air. Oh, the silhouettes. The silhouette people. That's uh, funny. I just look back and I'm like, I get why I thought it was cool, but it is just so tacky. Oh, I had a friend back in the day that was obsessed with using those on everything. It just makes me think of stock photo websites. Well, you just overuse it and oh, everything. I hate it so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's giving me vibes right now. Yeah, it, there's a vibe that comes oh, with it. Oh, such like. a like a stock photo. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, yep. Yeah, go. Challenge for the week. When you sit down to create next, just think: What are you going to do first? Look at other inspiration, but first, what are you going to do? How are you going to approach the problem? Do you have any other thoughts to wrap up? Or no, I think that was a beautiful episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. My main takeaway from today's episode is to remember your own voice when creating and not let it get so drowned out by trying to follow the crowd all the time. While it's important to be inspired by the work of others, it's also really vital to inject your own style into your work. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. All right. I'll see you on the next one. Keep it fresh.